And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. The economy is crazy. Inflation, overinflated gas prices, and the ever-present threats of government-mandated lockdowns. It certainly doesn't seem like the perfect time to start a business, but what if that's your dream? Is today a good time to start your business? To paraphrase the great William Shakespeare, to biz or not to biz, that is the question. Today on the podcast, my friend Andrew is going to talk about your business mindset and if it's the right time for you to go for it. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you here today. Yeah, thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. So tell me a little bit about your background and uh, how you decided to help people when it comes to that business mindset. Yeah, sure. Um, effectively, um, I was your kind of classic academic kid. My dad was a university professor. And the only difference between me and, say, some of the other people in the States is that we and I grew up effectively as, a, as an expat um, abroad. So a third culture kid, basically going to mostly American international schools. And we just moved around the world based on whatever my dad's contract was, but effectively it was an academic kind of household. So the standard kind of thing that probably is quite familiar to a lot of people is that you go to school and maybe you go off to university if that's your thing, get a degree, then, you know, the idea is hopefully you're going to kind of get your footing into some kind of career and then you're going to do your thing and you're going to work your way through and if the family's in the, in the mix and you get a family and you want to provide some kind of stability. And then, you know, you look up 34 years later and poof, where did it all go? And, and the kids have flown the coop and, and you're kind of left standing there going, okay, I've got a little bit of my life back, but so much has happened in between. And I have to say that I bought into that model because that's what I knew, but there was definitely an inner voice inside that was saying there was something else that was actually more to what I wanted to do. Obviously I had an atypical upbringing, but the fact is, is that even though I was in an academic environment, I love learning. I wouldn't say I was your best student. The whole confines of school or that kind of framework or that matrix wasn't really for me, even though there was some really positive things uh, about it. I was such an explorer and adventurer that it was a case of that. I just had that spirit of, and I guess now looking back on it, I would say it was an entrepreneurial spirit where just kind of going out there and making things happen. Um, the difficulty for me was in some of these countries, I didn't necessarily have those freedoms that one would have in the States or in kind of developed countries where you could, you could go out and do a newspaper route or you could go out and, you know, wash cars uh, or you could go out and do the lemonade stand as a kid. I mean, all that kind of those little things that everybody did to get pocket money or get an allowance and work their way through it. Because the countries that I was living in, that was a job for somebody. You know, it was you know, some of these developing countries are that poor that some of these things that one would do, you'd be cutting across a local's livelihood. And we're talking, you know, some people just really seriously poor. It's not that I was frustrated. It's just that I wasn't really able to exercise it. So I got put on a shelf. And then when I kind of finally, you know, got myself together after school and a few other things I've been doing and working odd jobs here and there around the world, 
um, wasn't actually making much money at that time because I was still young with inexperience, but I was having a great time. And then I kind of decided it was time. I was ready for university. I was ready for college. So I went back to the States. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, you know, I mean, I'd already been going back for holidays to see family, to see my grandparents and all this kind of stuff. And when I was there, they certainly put me to work. You know, my granddad was very much uh, kind of a hardworking, roll up your sleeves kind of guy. So when I showed up in town, it was I wasn't on a holiday and, and him being in the South where, you know, he put me to work in 103 degree weather. So it's like there was no mucking about. I kind of took that as a kind of an impetus to to really try a lot of different things. And I wouldn't say I was a master of so many, but I was definitely a jack of. And so as a result of that, I got exposed to all kinds of things, some that I obviously, which is also great information of what not to do, what I wasn't suited for, but also what I was really, really passionate about. But I was still on my trajectory to go get my degree, which I did. It wasn't easy because I worked my way through. It wasn't just a case of I showed up and then I did my four years. I piecemealed it together. And then I kind of managed to get the last two years of just sit down and focus. So that was quite an accomplishment. And then kind of got, dare I say it, spat out the other side with paper in hand. And off there was the world. I had this degree. And to find out the degree is not a job guarantee. The degree is just a way of approaching things, thinking about things differently, obviously having a little bit more shoe into possibly some of the interview process, but it wasn't a guarantee for work. That changed things for me. That really kind of uh, got me to back up a little bit and kind of go, okay, this, this is down to me. It's not just down to all these externalities. Yes, they're important. I'm not going to you know, dump on them because I think they have an immense value for the people who do them. Academia isn't for everybody. And I think people who try should not be judged because they don't want to and they get on with it. I've met some very successful people who basically found out that academia wasn't their thing. And they went on to be very, very successful because they just had something else going on. Um, I kind of bounced around a little bit. And then um, along the way, I was just getting a little bit frustrated that I wasn't taking the next step. You know, I had great ideas, you know, ideas, everybody, there's millions of ideas out there. It's just taking the action to implement. And I actually went and got some coaching on a kind of a whim, really. I stumbled over it and uh, kind of was checking it out, kind of window shopping a little bit. Some of it was okay, some of it I didn't really get. And, and then I just, like anything, I stumbled into somebody who was actually, who kind of was really, really good. We resonated. That changed everything. It got me to look at my ideas completely differently. So I started reading different books. I started being gravitated toward different uh, kind of information, where I got my information, but more importantly, who I spoke to, the kinds of people I spoke to, the kinds of questions that I would ask or the interactions that I would have. I wasn't networking like just to, just to get something from people. I was literally going out there and putting myself in front of people. We'd have a conversation and if it went anywhere, that'd be great. And sometimes I was able to interview people or have a cup of coffee with somebody who was very successful, who was very happy to share how they did it. If you'd asked me, would I be doing those types of things even a year prior to that coaching session? It just wasn't my world. I wasn't thinking that way. But 2020 hindsight, kind of from that moment, I looked at it and says, when I was in my last year of college or university, rather, I was doing your standard, you know, uh, roommate scenario. And one of the roommates didn't know this at the time. I kind of figured it out later. She actually owned the building. She was in her 20s. So, you know, it wasn't just that mom and dad just took care of it, but she kind of had a little bit of, you know, she put it all together in her head. Um, she wasn't even a business major. You know, she just happened to be pretty, pretty switched on. And so we were paying room rent, which effectively was covering her mortgage. 
And of course, I was in my fourth year and I was kind of kicking myself going, God, why didn't I think of that? You know, that's, all, that's awesome. Because when she moved on, she didn't sell the place. She just rented it. It just kept trickling money in. And I thought, oh, there's, there's something going on here. And I did all kinds of crazy things. I mean, I bought and sold cars and stuff to kind of, you know, clean them up and sell them on and get some cash. Or I sold study resources. I put booklets together. I was trying all kinds of different things, but they weren't the money makers. And I thought, wow, she's onto something. I didn't necessarily get into property, but it just made me think differently. That was um, later on in life, we bumped into each other. So that was the 80s, kind of showing my age now. And then we had the 90s dip of the recession. And she'd gone on to build a bigger portfolio as a property owner, but she wasn't necessarily a property. That wasn't, that wasn't her, her business. She just did it as an investment. So she had a nice portfolio. So she'd take her money and keep it going, just building up this nice asset base for herself. And I kept thinking, God, she's, she's kind of, you know, I was learning a lot from these things, but it was totally outside of, originally outside of how I thought. So when the coaching came along, it took me from thinking job mentality, going out and working my way up the employee ladder, making somebody else's work easy. In fact, no joke, while they played golf, <laughs> making their basically business tick at the expense of my time because I was working for money. And I just thought, wait, there's, there's something here that's just not quite right because that's not going to make it. Right. That's so, definitely not going to make it. You're getting a whole bunch of realizations here. You know, you're finding out that working for someone else isn't always the way to go. I mean, some people are happy with that. You know, in your case, you were just seeing, wait a minute, there's something more out there. And, you know, you really tried a lot of things. You said earlier you learned what not to do, and then you learned what you were passionate about and how this all kind of led in this direction uh, related to coaching. Because when you got coached, that changed everything. And the other realization that I think is so key that you mentioned was that a college degree is not a job guarantee. When you realize that this is down to me, this is my thing, you know, that is huge because I don't know if you know this, over 40% of all college graduates, they don't even work in their field of study. You know, they go and get an accounting degree and they're working in a totally different field. So I just think that is a real eye opener. Anyway, I interrupted, so I don't want to continue your momentum there, but you were talking about how you stumbled upon the fact that the people who were in business were making the money and the people who were working for them were not necessarily doing as well. Yeah. I mean, that that's, those are some you know, key highlights. And, and it was a case of, you know, again, like I said, it was the kind of information that I started to pursue as a result of that. What, you know, before it was literally, I was kind of reading what I was told to read, which was a reading list, a university reading list, some of my own interests, of course. But it was really once I kind of fine-tuned my thinking a bit, it was like the type of reading I went after was very, very different than what I would have thought I'd be reading five years earlier. So the information input that I was starting to gather, you know, some of the, even the magazines, you know, some of them, they were, you know, maybe financial based just to get a bit more understanding or business based to get more understanding. There's a lot of magazines out there. There's entrepreneur.com, there's Forbes, there's all these types of things, which don't necessarily have everything in it that I would necessarily go for, but it's just a perspective that was so different to what I was uh, accustomed to. God bless academics for all kinds of reasons, because they definitely push the, the frontiers on so many innovations and, and things because they can, they do research and so on. But they're hardly super wealthy. 
unless they publish an amazing book. The majority of them, they've, they've got a pretty good setup and then they just carry on doing that setup and it's not a bad gig, but they're not kind of wealthy. They're not, and I don't want to say they've settled, but they're definitely quite happy to work within a particular bandwidth. If you want to go beyond that, you have to think differently. You have to do things differently. And I wasn't out there to be like uber super crazy rich, but I was interested in being successful that I wouldn't, you know, have to worry about when the next thing was coming along. You know, I like have things that are reliable. I don't need to have the latest, greatest. I just like to be able to make sure that it's going to, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's going to do well and you got to pay for that. And sometimes you do. And sometimes even when you pay for it, it doesn't. But so, yeah, the, the, the whole shift for me really was the turning point and it was coaching. And the reason for that is I basically started to tap into myself and realize that actually I had a lot more information and resources within me that I was just totally unaware of. I knew I was excited about a lot of things. I knew I was passionate about a lot of things, but I had no idea up until that point of how I could actually make kind of a living out of this, how I could be, you know, enterprising with some of these things. And when that switch kind of flipped, all kinds of doors opened up. And one of the big ones that really shifted everything was, and this came a little bit later, once I'd kind of gone through a little bit of life doing these new things, it was I co-founded a green energy international enterprise that basically ended up working in East Africa, where I'd spent some of my schooling years growing up. So it's kind of going back to my kind of, you know, a familiar ground, a bit of a network that I had there. But um, it was in post-genocidal Rwanda. So they were recovering and they were looking for redevelopment opportunities and, and ways to uplift their people to get, get them re-going again and to help the healing process. But in order to do that, they need to have a livelihood. And because the country was shattered, I got into green energy, working with agribusiness in a particular way, which worked with local community farmers. And we started working a lot on the ground. But we also had international investment. We were working with the cabinets as they were rebuilding and developing their, their government structure. The reason this whole thing happened was there was a colleague from university who's married to, to Tanzanian, and we, we met the community quite quickly. But here in London, where I live, I actually met the president of the country and proposed to them kind of our project and what we were looking to do. And they definitely were really, really keen. And it kind of it just started snowballing from there. Next thing I know, we're flying all over the African continent. And it just literally, once it started, it took off. Again, it's almost kind of like it blew my hair back. And that was kind of where I just had that amazing aha self, kind of pat yourself on the back, like, not that I've arrived, but I'm doing it. And at a scale and at a, in, a, in a particular way that I, I always dreamed of, but to actually realize that was amazing. That was probably the best feeling I've ever had, short of a couple of things. My kids wow. obviously being one of them. So... I always look back and go, had I carried on my trajectory doing the way I'd already thought, there would have been no way not any of this would have happened. It would have been a nice conversation over a beer sometime going, yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda, or maybe that would have been nice and then carried on doing what I was doing. And to find myself doing it, definitely I had a mindset shift. And it was, I mean, you know, I, I keep saying it was because of coaching, but it was obviously the experience of going through that, of unpacking certain things, getting more clarity focusing on what I was actually particularly good at, as opposed to what I wasn't good at, which is unfortunately, us human beings tend to do a lot of what we're not good at, as opposed to what we are good at, for all kinds of reasons. It could be a family history, it could be just lack of confidence, it could be our DNA, it could be all kinds of program, who knows, I mean, whatever it is, 
But when you get the awareness to unpack that, because someone has the skills to help you do that with the support and then kind of keep you to it, that makes all the difference. And again, you have to resonate with that person. I mean, obviously you've got to have an alignment with them. Again, there's lots of good people out there, but it may not be your person. True. Well, I want to talk a little bit about modeling right there, because, you know, you talked about how if you had gone down a different path, things would have been totally different and you wouldn't have gotten to experience the things that you experienced through that process. You learned a lot. And one of the things about modeling is when we model people who are successful, that's one of the things that makes some coaches very good coaches, because they can tell someone who's starting from the beginning some of the shortcuts that they can take. I mean, some things you can't shortcut, but for the most part, they can explain how the process works. So one of the things you talked about was when you were in university, you were reading what you were told to read, but you went and changed your information input because you started reading things not that you were told, but things that you needed to read and that you wanted to read and things that you wanted to learn. And I always believe that leaders are readers and it's important to spend at least 30 minutes a day reading something that'll help you grow. And you also mentioned the fact that you have to think different. And that's exactly how I want to transition. Because I want you to talk to people out there who might be listening right now who are thinking about starting a business. Maybe they're regretting you know, that they didn't start a business earlier, but you know, it's never too late. What would you say to someone who is starting from scratch, wants to get into business for themselves and wants to just give it a go? How would they shift their mindset? Well, I mean, again, there's a lot of noise out there. So there's a lot of things that you might have multiple interests, you might have so forth and so on, the certain things, but there is, there's one of the things that kind of kept coming back to me was that thing that I was kind of, that I took for granted that I wasn't really paying attention. I was kind of on autopilot and yet I was a troubleshooter, a problem solver, or I kind of people would come to me about, and I just didn't really think much of it. It's just like, that's kind of what I did. But when I was, I had somebody spot like that, it enabled me to kind of realize, self-realize, and then actualize, hey, I'm actually really good at that. So what I would tell somebody to do is that, and whatever means that somebody would, um, use, whether it's journaling, whether it's um, writing a song. I mean, you know, people do all kinds of things that when they're thinking about stuff and they get, you know, some kind of realization, whatever it is that works for that person, that they get it out of their head and out in front of them, that they can actually kind of look at it and explore it, whether it's doing a Venn diagram where you look and see where the overlaps are, what's powerful, what is, or you do as in business terms, your SWOT analysis. Okay, these are the things I'm really good at. These are things that are my weaknesses I'm not particularly good at. Here's an opportunity for growth. Whoops, this is something that I really need to pay attention to because it's potentially going to undermine me. That's a threat. So that would be what a SWOT analysis, that could be kind of just using a tool. But whatever it is, get really clear on what you are really, really passionate about. Get really, really focused on that and then go explore it. Then go do the research. So with the tools of the internet now, which, you know, at the time it was just breaking through. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Uh, you know, to go do the market research um, in the sense of, and, you know, even if it's going to Google, obviously, or even going to Amazon, you know, what's information that's being kind of, you know, pushed out there? What kind of different sites of information that seems to be available, readily available in an area that you're really passionate about? And kind of go see what's being discussed about it and whether or not there, in fact, is an uptake of that. You don't necessarily have to have millions of people because, in fact, that might be a gap in the market. But you also don't want to go chasing after something that's got a big fat zero because 
that's not going to that's not going to light you up, even though you're passionate, but because you're going to get demoralized. If it doesn't have traction, then you don't get excited. If you don't get excited, then it fades. So doing a bit of market research and whatever that means to you. But one of the things that I did, and I, you know, internet and Zoom, obviously, like as we're doing now, at the time didn't do that, is I had to go seek the people out and literally it'd be like, hey, can I buy you lunch? Hey, can I have a cup? You know, would, would you, if you got 15 minutes for a cup of coffee and some people would just say, I'll give you 10. You're like, okay, I got to get really focused on my questions. These are busy people who don't have a lot of time, but they're happy to share to a degree. And most people who are successful, unless their personalities are kind of not that way, most of them will like to share their success story. They may not give you the, the, the golden key to the secret chest, but they're going to give you a perspective of how to approach it to, to go find your own treasure chest. Maybe later, you know, they may become a mentor. It may become something like that, or they may take you in under their wing, or you get in, you know, if you're young, you might get an internship or you know, it's amazing what happens out of a conversation. The, the opportunity that I had with the green energy business came out of a conversation I had, and I would have had no idea that that was where it was going to go. It's literally, I was at a, a kind of a symposium. I'm sitting next to some, we started having a chat. Next thing you know, what are you interested in? Next thing you know, we're exchanging numbers. Next thing you know, we're having a cup of coffee. The next thing you know, we're starting up a, a venture that went on to in a couple of years, under a couple of years, to be a thirty-plus mil value biz. You that, know, it, uh, it, it comes well, out of a lot from a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that was a really good cup of coffee. But it wasn't obviously. I you know I didn't do it alone because there's a team, there's a group of people, and obviously you're networking, working with people who do certain things. But I mean, the fact is, is that I took the ball and ran with it, and then of course the partners I went filled in some of the gaps that I wasn't particularly good at, which leads me to my next point is just because you don't know something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You might find someone who has that skill set, who is complementary to what you want to do. So some people, for example, they are the bean counters. They're really happy to sit there and crunch the numbers behind the scene. And as long as you trust them, and dare I say it, even if you've got uh, you know friends and family, get your legals sorted, cover your assets, so to speak, because it just takes away the headache when the time comes, things just don't get met. You just go, look, it's on, there it is. We already agreed on it. We'll take care of it. As opposed to having a tug of war and I've seen families and friends just fall apart, which is a real shame. But you get aligned with people that you are complimentary with. So for example, I was quite good at the, 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 the kind of the face in the crowd. So I could venture into certain scenarios and, and certain events and I would wade in where my partners were a lot more kind of maybe technical, they had a little bit more kind of things going on on the engineering side of things. And so the complementary roles is that we would have the idea, we'd get traction, we'd have partners interested, investors coming in, and they'll be like, okay, here's the person who can actually build it or put it together, even though we were both working or three of us or four of us were working on it. It was a case of that we were complementary in our roles. So that's really key is that you don't have to go it alone. Just be sure you trust who you're working with is always important. And then from there, it gets the traction. The point is, is that, I mean, I use the Edison model. I mean, you know, a thousand times or 10,000 times or whatever until he or they, his team, because it was actually his team, but they had their eureka moment. And if you actually ask or had had the chance to interview him or ask him now, and he's been quoted as it wasn't, you know, a thousand times that I actually failed or 999 times that I failed. It was 990 times that it just, that that way didn't work, which got exactly. me to then go try something else. So every step was a bit of feedback. It wasn't failure, it was feedback. 
And then he would build on the next and build on the next and build on the next to the point of where they have their eureka moment, boom, it works. So sometimes you could be so close to your success moment or your breakthrough, but because you've been banging your head, you've been going after it, you've been working hard, you've been putting the hours in, you've been doing all this stuff, but you're not getting the traction, you get a bit demoralized. The people who really succeed is they're, they are just laser focused, but they're hellaciously tenacious. They just, it's like being almost stubborn, not to the point of being stupid. You don't want to bang your head against the wall when, in fact, there's a doorway you could get through. But the fact is, is that you're seeking a way through. You constantly know there's a way around this obstacle that might be in my way. I don't have the information, or maybe I'm just not looking at it right, or I need to converse with my partner and they, you know, and then you sound stuff. Just don't give up unless it's a case of it's an obvious, you know, it's, it's, it's just a dead dud. It's just not going to work but you got to give it a go. Don't stop yourself before you even have gotten started. There's that story in Think and Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill, Mm -hmm. and it talks about stopping three feet from gold, the story of Mr. Darby and mining for gold. And they actually stopped and they quit three feet before. And then, of course, the engineer who was working with them ended up buying the claim, dug the additional three feet and got the gold. So a lot of people will, they will work so hard and they'll quit just before. And the other thing you said that's so important reminds me of Sarah Blakely. If you're familiar with her, she's the founder of Spanx. A lot of the the women might be familiar with that particular product. But when she started out, she was taught by her father that you have to fail every day because failure was not a bad thing. Failure is a good thing because every time you fail, you learn a lesson. You know how not to do something. And again, you brought up the Edison model. So that's really fantastic. So again, get with people who have done it before, model them and have that stick to it in this to keep going keep pushing forward. If something doesn't work, try something else. I love that idea and that mindset. Anything further in that area that comes to mind? Yeah. I mean, I think unfortunately, you know, the the kind of the main kind of unfortunately schooling, unless you've had one of those standout teachers that really just really got you, you know, we have a few that we could probably count on one hand that we know throughout our education, we go, those were the hot shots that I really got because they also got me. The other 20, 30, 40, 50, Maybe they just didn't resonate. The, the point is, is that one, you're forever always learning. And it's okay to say you don't know. We get, you know, ego gets in the way going, no, no, even if I don't know, I've got to pretend that I do know. This thing of fake it to make it, I actually don't buy into. This notion of some people might even, you know, take this in a slightly different way, but it's, I'll frame it this way. It's actually faith it to make it. And what I mean by that is believe it. So that old adage of that, you know, first, as, as Einstein said, what's more important than knowledge is imagination. Because his adage was, is that if I can't even come up with those kinds of questions, I don't even know what to go for. So you got to be able to imagine that. It's like, okay, now I'm going to go after it and I'm going to come up with these crazy, you know, uh, equations and we're going to start trying to solve this thing. But initially, what's the question? And you have to be able to, you know, go after it. So you have to ask really good questions. And again, sounding out with somebody really, really, really helps. But this whole thing of I got to have it all sorted and I've got to kind of make, you know, show that I have, of course, you want to have confidence. Of course, you want to instill confidence in others to get them to want to work with you. But there, you don't know everything. And it's okay to say, I need help. And I think sometimes we get this kind of thing of, mm, I shouldn't. So asking a question is better than not asking at all. If you don't know what you don't know, 
you're not going to go anywhere because you're not even going to bother to ask, you know, or you might freeze in your tracks because oh, I don't want to look stupid or I just want to look like a fool. But somebody who's going after some, somebody who's going to interview somebody, somebody who's going to chase after something, that makes other people who are actually successful more interested in you because that's kind of a, a go to itness that you're not, not that you're going to be foolish, but that's not, you're not worried about that. You're, you're, you're focused on the real prize, which is actually the solution and getting going as opposed to all the other stuff that other people kind of maybe stop themselves in their tracks and then get in their own way. I think it's a case of, you know, don't be afraid, you know, and I know that's easy to say. And I know sometimes we're a bit kind of hit by confidence when certain things don't work. And, and so I get all that all the more reason not to go it alone, just because it didn't work that way. Somebody else will go, you know what? They kind of just nudge you back in the ring and you go, yeah, actually, I, I actually do have this. You know, wait a minute, that was just, I'm a little bit bruised, maybe it didn't quite work out, or my ego's a bit wounded, or my pride, or whatever it might be, but that's just, that's life. Just get back on the horse and carry on. So I think, um, yeah, don't give up. Don't give up. Now, there's an old saying that says you have to burn the boats if you want to take the island. Before we close out today, I wanted to bring that up because what you were just saying about not being afraid to go for it and take a chance there might be people out there who are working somewhere and they're trying to decide, should they go into business and give up the job and just go all in in that business? Or should they keep the job and work the business? That is a dilemma I think a lot of people have. Again, there's that expression about burning the boats to take the island. But then again, there's the other thing that businesses fail a lot because they're undercapitalized. Where do you stand in that dilemma? Is there a middle ground somewhere? I think um, that's always, I mean, that's, that's, that guy always goes back to chicken or egg. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, that's a, that's a huge question. And I think it's very personal. I think there's a couple of factors that play into this. One, it depends on your situation. I mean, if you've got, you know, dependence and that kind of level of sacrifice is a huge gamble. And that if it goes either way, you could lose everything and you're out on the street, then I would tell that person, make it a side gig and get it going at first and keep the job. There's a level of sacrifice. I mean, I've seen people who've been saying, look, I will give you the X amount of check if you just literally just jump on board and off you go. And these are people who were business owners, who had employees, who have families and whatever. And they're looking at it going, God, this is attractive. But they had a level of responsibility and a code of conduct of ethics that said, look, you know what? This isn't just about me. This is about people that are dependent on me. And those are families behind them who are dependent on them and so on. So I think it's contextual. I think if you're in a situation where you're potentially on your own or there's a situation where it's just you really could give this a good shot. And if years down the road, you just put you put it on a shelf and you were living a life of misery, of having not given it that shot to the point of eating you, eating you up inside so that your level of quality of life, of joy and happiness is just not okay. You know, I mean, I liken it, I know this is going to sound a bit weird, but I'll say it anyway, liken it to, to you know, having, you know, better to have loved than having not, not loved at all. Better to have given your, you know, your passion, the oxygen of what it is that you want to do in life than never have done it at all and starved it. And then it just withered away and died because there'll be a piece of you that is going to wither with it. But again, it also goes down to your level of risk. There are people who do play it safe and that's okay. There's no judgment there. I'm not putting any judgment on that. If that's Serpent's feeling of risk is just not there to do it, that's okay. 
maybe get a partnership and then you feel a bit more confident to go into it rather than go it alone. But as far as burn, you know, I get why that said. And the reason for that, and if any, just to clarify this point in the time we have, is that the idea behind that is, is that if you have a plan B, you're not going to go all in. One's level of energy and commitment and, you know, you know, if you've got a plan B, C or D, procrastination seeps in. Procrastination can be toxic because it has that framework around it. Sometimes procrastination is also a little bit of self-preservation because you could be about to burn out. You just need some time out. But it's called procrastination, which is laden with all the negativity. But if we reframe it, not all the time, for going, you know what? I've been putting in 12-hour days or you know, two weeks now, and I'm just tired. I need a timeout, and that's okay. It's not procrastination. But if it's a case that you've been doing it every day, <laughs> and it gets an ongoing thing, that's procrastination. The, the key point being is if you have too many options that allow it to soften the edges where you actually don't really have to do something because you're not really pushed or there's no go to it to go for that kind of going towards something that motivates you or being pushed by something to get away from different motivations for people. That's what that saying is kind of uh, is hinting at or alluding to is, is that if you don't go effectively all in, the chances of you getting the success that you could get, either it's going to be more difficult or you may not actually get that cherry on top. You may get the pie, but you'll miss out on the top bit because you just didn't go all in. That may be okay for you. You might go, well, that's all I want. I just want a piece of the pie. I don't really want the whole thing. That's fine. It depends on its individual. So that's where that kind of messaging comes into it is, is that it, you know, it does take a full level of commitment and dedication to be an entrepreneur, it takes a full level of, of action taking to be a business owner. It takes a huge amount of self-responsibility, um, being true to oneself, to listen to oneself, which is a skill that we're not really taught how to do, which is why I say, again, coaching or having that support around you of people who do actually actively listen, don't just sit there and nod their head and go, yes, yes, but actually engage with you and kind of maybe call you out on something when you're going, wait a minute, that doesn't quite sound like you there. They're willing to call you out, which is, again, why coaches are really good because they're third-party objective where, where somebody who's really close to you might just want to just kind of give you a pat on the back and go, yeah, that's all. It's all good. When, in fact, you're going, no, I need that critical feedback. I'm not getting it from you because you're being nice to me. It's not a bad thing, but it doesn't help you grow. So to go back to kind of this thing of burning all the bridges or whether you should or shouldn't, it is a personal decision. I think it's really worth taking the time out to explore it properly to weigh up the pros and cons. I would never tell somebody that if there's so much on the line to, um, to sacrifice that. I would say step into it piece by piece until you got a bit of traction. Maybe do your due diligence as in checking it out to see if it's got any legs on it to run with. I wouldn't say take 10 years in a one-year process, but do the process because it's really important. Where some people are just so gung-ho, they just jump in and they kind of go, whoops, that was a bit quick. You know, it's okay if you're on your own, but it's not okay if you got people all around you who are depending on you and you then then you fall on your face. Well, that's a real good answer. I appreciate you taking the time to really dig deep into it as well. Now, if anyone out there has been listening today and what you said to them has really resonated with them, what would be the way they would reach out to you? Well, social media obviously is the way to go in many levels, and it's an easy access, particularly since we're global. Um, you know, I'm in London, so, you know, different time zones and so on. So uh, Facebook is an easy one, just uh, Facebook, uh, Andrew R. Mullins. But I've also got a group which is basically Unleash Your Powers, um, which is basically the facebook.com groups. 
unleash your powers. And the idea is that is to basically transform your passion, your sense of purpose, and then leading into your prosperity, or which I see it as basically wealth with purpose. And then I do have a website, which is effectively, which is more now to say, I actually also, because of my coaching experience, I became a coach because I, the immense value. So I had my great experience. I too coach as a result of that, because I experienced its benefits immensely. So I coach people on not only their life thing, but also the enterprise thing of going to the next level to not just be an entrepreneur, but be a business owner but also what it means to be self-employed because they're not all the same thing, though they get thrown a lot together. And the question is, is whether or not it's for that person, if that actually is who they are or not. So that's adventurelifecoaching.com. And it's effect- effectively is, is that, you know, the reason the adventurous bit is that literally, you know, life is the adventure and we effectively are the adventurers. And to have lived a life, despite the fact that we need to have a career, we need to have a living, we need to have all these things. If it's a case that it's just been really just mediocre and dull and miserable at the end of this journey, I don't, not to say that I'm going to judge or anything. I mean, I think that's really unfortunate because it doesn't have to be that way. So the coaching for me is that to help people take themselves to the next level, whether it's in their life but also to take themselves to the next level for what we're talking about today, which is effectively how to become a business owner or to become self-employed or an entrepreneur, but ultimately the boss of their own life as opposed to being bossed around by somebody else. That's a great answer too. I mean, being the boss of your own life, taking on that adventure in life. Quick question. This is one of the things I ask all my guests and it is simply what does being purposely positive mean to you? I think, I guess, in a nutshell is to try, I mean, for myself, just it's to try and leave the planet ever, even if it's infinitesimally better off than when I arrived. So to be solutions focused, to not be part of the ongoing problem. So whatever one can do to just add that ever little element of positivity that everyone has, even though we might be going through some stuff, is to tap into that and then flourish that and leave that behind. That's a legacy, I think, of any kind. It doesn't have to be in neon lights. Our legacies don't have to be on a billboard. Our legacies don't have to be all these. If you've helped even just ever so slightly, um, that's positive. And as a a kind of a going out thing is, is one of the kind of ethos and mindset things that I do carry around with me all the time because I'm human too. There are times where I face things and that's a heck of a challenge. I don't know if I can deal with that is to go back and listen to my inner voice and start out with like first Lao Tzu's, you know, the journey begins with the first step. But in order to do that is to begin with the thought, I can, I can do this. I can do this is a great mantra to have and to step into that positivity and make sure that you leave a legacy, leave something behind. That is a beautiful answer. Andrew Mullins, I appreciate you being here on the podcast today and taking the time to discuss this topic. And uh, we hope to have you back sometime. That'd be great. Thanks for having me, Tony. It's been awesome. And it's been a real pleasure because um, I think it's a valuable message in these times where people are really considering their next move. That level of, uh, you know, company career loyalty and certainty is just not there. COVID has shown us that. And that was already there before COVID. COVID just accelerated it. So I think it's a really important topic that people who are thinking about it, because maybe they're thinking out of desperation, but they're actually kind of to actually step back a bit, get some more clarity and think about, okay, you know, I can do it. I'm just not quite sure what to do, but take the time to figure it out because it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Just do it. 
And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. Now, you may be out there just trying to survive. Hopefully, you're striving to be better, but we want to see you start thriving. Come to TonyWCoaching.com and you can download a free resource called Strive to Thrive. It's a short ebook and that will help you get started on that journey to that purposely positive life.